I'm Tina Griffin, the counterculture mom, and you're listening to Speakers on Speaking with Antoine Lincoln. Looking back at my first event at that festival, I am shocked that anyone booked me from that session. The best way you can learn and grow your platform is by just doing it. And if you're passionate about your message, that will override any kind of boo-boo mess up or something you wish you would have said different. Just take a big breath, one step at a time, and ask people for help. Welcome to Speakers on Speaking, a podcast for aspiring speakers looking to learn from today's professional speakers in the speaking business. And on today's show, we have Tina Griffin. So get ready to listen, learn, and launch your speaking career on Speakers on Speaking. Welcome to another episode of Speakers on Speaking. I'm your host, Antoine Lincoln, and this is episode eight. And I'm so glad that you're here because we have none other than Tina Griffin. And she's here to help us understand that speaking sometimes doesn't have a conventional start. And when you listen to her story, you're going to see why. So let's get ready to listen to Tina. But most importantly, let's get ready to learn from Tina's experience. And to do that, log on to speakersonspeaking.com where you will see her speaking page because that's where I have the notes from this show and some other key things that's going to help you understand her journey. And it's not the conventional journey that most speakers go through. So let's get ready to listen to Tina. Let's get ready to learn from her journey and let's get ready to gather tips and strategies on how you can launch your speaking career on Speakers on Speaking. You're going to love this episode. Tina Griffin, how are you doing? I am doing excellent. Thanks for having me on. Tina, we're so happy that you're here on Speakers on Speaking. Aspiring speakers really want to know, how do you get into this business? So I start off by asking you, how did you get into the speaking business? Wow. Well, I grew up at a farm in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Pulaski, a little small town, 2,000 people. And when I was 20, I headed off to Cal State Los Angeles for a film and television broadcasting degree, seeing that there was a lack of those types of movie-making things happening in the Midwest in Wisconsin. So I went out there, got involved with Hollywood and acting and runway modeling and pageants, you name it, <clears throat> for a couple of years. And then I tried out for the Miss America pageant. And I ran for Miss L.A. County, came in second place. And through the process of that, my platform building for that pageant was abstinence education. I was 24 at the time. I had a passion for teens. I myself, since we have a short little show here, I'll just cut to the chase. I was staying abstinent until my wedding night. I wanted oh. to save myself and my husband, um, you know, in, in that regard. And I always love sharing the benefits of waiting to young people. Mm-hmm. So through the pageant, I had to basically develop a platform, and a guy through that pageant system gave me the name of a speaker who talked about pop culture and entertainment, and since I was out there living it, doing it, I connected with him, and he took me under his wing, and I started my speaking career off, and it, it happened in, within about a year, and, and I loved every minute of it. Your platform is not absences right now, Correct. Yeah, no, it's not abstinence. It, it started off like that for the pageant, but the more I learned about media and the influence it had on teens while working as an actor on set mm-hmm. and mentoring about eight kids at my local church in L.A., downtown L.A., I realized that a lot of teens were 
identifying and trying to emulate and, and mock what they saw, you know, copy what they saw in pop culture. And so I realized that the media is, as an entirety, like not just abstinence, but the drugs, the alcohol, the, the dressing, the self-esteem issues, depression, all the stuff that the Hollywood was pumping towards kids on a daily basis had a huge impact on the kids besides just the abstinence fans. And so my show I, I labeled, I, I called Hollywood Exposed, and it mm-hmm. still is today. I've been speaking about 12 to 14 years. And, and so, yes, it's a wide variety of issues that I address with teens and parents besides just the abstinence. So your, 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 your platform expanded from that first commitment of abstinence, correct? That's right. As soon as I met um, Phil Chalmers, who took me under his wing mm-hmm. back in, I think it was 2004, I went to his three-day intensive weekend about how to get third with a speaking career, and I had no clue. I mean, I had a lot of clue working on stage and uh-huh. acting and speaking in roles, but not <clears throat> a two-hour session or an hour and a half on stage talking about a topic I felt passionate about. So through that training, I flew back three days later saying, you know what, I am totally going to talk on media, Hollywood exposed for a show that gravitates towards teens and parents about how to stay safe in our pop culture environment that we've got going on today. So this platform mm-hmm. that you've chosen, it was pretty much an easy platform to chose because a, a lot of speakers, a lot of brand new speakers have a difficult time finding that platform because of your, your personal belief in abstinence and working with teens. Was that an easy path to go in or did you think about speaking in other areas as well? Uh, no, I am very passionate about a lot of different topics, health issues. I had a couple of health issues early twenties. Um, gosh, I could I could talk about a whole other show on other topics. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that, like conspiracy type stuff. I'm Uh-oh. really into that type of thing. <laughs> I know it's crazy, <laughs> but you know what's interesting is our political agenda going on in our country is so tied to Hollywood, and that's a whole other topic. So I'm into other areas of topics, but the media, pop culture, um, eating properly, like for self-esteem issues for kids, cutting, suicide, all of those things that hit teens when I started speaking to them and seeing the passion and them wanting help and guidance, Mm -hmm. I just knew that that topic was for me because I worked on set during the day for five days and on the weekends I was asked to speak at a music festival or a youth conference or speak at these schools and do a school tour. So there were years that I was acting and at the same time that same year I spoke a hundred times all over the country and in South America and Africa all over on the media issue. And I, I would say to anyone out there starting out, definitely without a doubt, pick obviously a topic you are passionate about that you love. And I think what even makes the, the seminar go deeper and influence more is if you are talking about a topic that you've personally lived through, experienced, or going through now, um, that type of thing. Instead of talking on something you're not too familiar with right. or you're not, you haven't really lived through, man, I can really relate to speakers. And I know it seems to me, like to me if, if you've actually been there yourself and now you're sharing what you've learned through the process. So your, your first career was in the entertainment business, correct? Yeah, my, my first career was actually doing, well, I had a lot of jobs when I was a teenager back in Wisconsin, that but my first count. major... That doesn't count. Yeah, I, <laughs> so funny. I mean, I worked like 10 different jobs in one year just because I was trying to figure out as a teenager what I want to do with my life. And right. so I moved to Hollywood. My first major career was 
yes, acting and directing and producing and the modeling. Anything to do with entertainment, I pretty much have tried it during those 10 years. So that was your... But my speaking... I'm listening. Oh, okay. My speaking is my number one passion. The more I spoke, the less I cared if I acted or not. It sounds really weird, but I I just totally started to love speaking more. That's interesting because it sounds like you went to CSLA, Cal State University at Los Angeles, and you... Your, your focus was in that direction, but for some strange reason, and it's not strange, I totally get it, you made a decision to go into speaking. Now, which is harder, being an actor or being in the entertainment business or being in the speaking business from your experience? Man, both are hard. Both are hard because... You are constantly, when I was acting, I could be in a line auditioning for a role where there was 100 people that pretty much looked like myself. Right. And so it was hard getting roles in Hollywood. I did get a lot that were fun, but it it was hard breaking in the business. But the difference for me came, and same with speaking, it was was very hard to get my first speaking job. It was eight months where I was sending out tons of press kits back in the day i didn't do too much over email today i do and i have a website and all that back then mm-hmm. i was printing off 20 page documents putting together in a folder i didn't know better like i didn't i didn't have a go-to class or someone showed me how to do it i just did what i thought would work for people to book me and i don't know how i did it but man oh man <laughs> the first year it was after that first speaking session at a festival i had hundreds of bookings after that they heard the message there right. a lot of youth pastors they would bring me in i would speak at a church event and from there three more people in the audience would book me on stuff so it is hard to get a speaking and to get act to do acting there isn't one way to do it it's every it works different for everybody what i would say to people starting out is Pick a topic you love and then be willing to do some for free when you first start out, depending on what your topic is. If it's a health-type conference, see if there's a local health conference in your state where you can come in and do a one-day session. Tell them I'll do it for travel only, travel only expenses. Whatever you can do to get your foot in the door to start speaking at those events because people in that audience will then book you for more and more and more and you're going to learn in the process and all of that. Um, The ciphering factor for me is when I started to realize that I was changing more people's lives and literally people days like suicide notes written and they didn't carry it out because they heard something I said that I knew I was born to do my Hollywood exposed message versus acting in a film where I'm not possibly impacting people the same way. That must've been a good feeling um, making that connection with people from the stage. It is. It's also, I will be honest, it's freaky. Every time, <laughs> it's scary. Every time I go speak, I just came back from a speaking two different events. Well, same school, it was the University of Minnesota. I spoke there two days in a row, and I just love the students. They embrace the message, and but at the same time, minutes, seconds before I'm about to take the stage, I am I freak out. My heart starts beating out of my chest, even though I love it. I'm so emotionally charged, so excited right. to do it. In the back of my mind, I'm like, what do I say? What am I? Where am I again? How did I get here? I hope they like it. You know, all of those thoughts. You have to kind of block it out and just go up there. You know, you know. I'm right. sure you freak out from time to time when you're going up there too. But and then with the message that I do as well, the topic it's a convicting, challenging message. I I've asked God for years, and I just stopped asking Him. So I'm like, Lord, why don't you make me a Christian comedian, a positive, uplifting comedian? People laugh, they like me, embrace me, and I get to go home with tons of fans. But it's a challenging, in depth. The Lord said, "That's not funny." 
<laughs> I know. That's about it. And he's like, I gave this to you. You know, you know the truth about what's going on with these celebs right. and how they're living their lives and what they're promoting. But it is a hard message. I mean, right. there there's a lot of content that people don't realize. And so I'm scared sometimes that they might not believe me. They might not want to change, but that's not my goal. My goal is to give that information and have them grind over it, chew over it, and hopefully be changed and challenged by it. So your your your, your experience on the stage, is it does it transfer in your experience as a professional speaker and being on the stage in terms of how you project your, your message? I, I definitely think it does. It, it definitely helps. But that doesn't mean that everyone getting into speaking has to do Broadway or, you know, do a role in a film in order to do that. I know that it took me, I was always an outgoing person to begin with. And Mm so, you know, if you're more of a shy reserved person, it might be, it might take a little bit more to get up in front of an audience, but I think seriously, anyone can do that. And what's going to help them be able to do this is they're passionate about the message. They're willing to do what it takes to make sure the audience hears what they have to say. And so because of that, I, I know I, the fear of speaking dissipates with the results of you being able to share that info and seeing and seeing the helpful information, what it does to those people's lives. That's what matters more. It, it helps block your, even your lack of experience because right. really when I moved to LA and did all the acting, it was only about four years of that. I know every little bit helped, but when I still did my first, it was actually a music festival. When I did my first festival, it still was very different than acting because when you're acting, you are in front of a camera, there aren't a thousand people staring at you. Um, So it's it's a little bit different, but I think my personality and and travel and that type of deal just really helped me with presenting the message. It was was fun for me. It still is very fun to to do. So I don't consider it a job, which most people speaking, Mm -hmm. how about you? Do you you really consider it a job or do you consider it like a privilege and you get to go share your info and it's kind of a fun ordeal. Right, right, right. How long have you been speaking? And then the next question, since you said a job, how long have you been speaking as a professional speaker? Because there's a difference. That's a really good question. I got to somehow figure out when did I become a professional? Man, I have been speaking since I was 24 with my first official booking to speak at a music festival in Wisconsin. And like I said, it's been nonstop since then. I think the longest span of time I went was maybe six months of no speaking. But for the most part, I, I speak quite often. Right. I do have four kids, seven and under, and I homeschool. So I, I have been taking less speaking jobs right now or spreading them out a little bit more than I used to do. Mm-hmm. But when I consider myself a professional, I think that... I don't know if I... It just sounds really bad, but, but it's the truth. I don't know if I really will ever consider myself... Like I'm like I'm a professional to the point where I've learned everything. So, well, I but guess- at the same time, my first event I got paid for. You know what I mean? Like I, I know that other people starting out, if they don't have the expertise that I had with the show business and the Hollywood aspect, mm-hmm. you might have to do a couple for free. But I, my first events, I asked for I think 750 bucks, and some of my friends that were also speaking said, "Oh my gosh, my first one I asked for 300. How did you ask for 750?" I said, "Well, I just number threw out there. I didn't know better, and I just spit it out, and they said sure." So, <laughs> sure, we'll and pay then her. well, and then I joined the National Speaker Association when I was 24, and that one year I think I spoke about 100 times or 80 times, and it was enough to join the NSA. So I, I guess kind of within the first year. 
I kind of fell into the professional category, I guess, but... Well, the way I define professional speaker is this is the thing you do. This is I'm I'm earning an income. I'm keeping the lights on. I'm paying the mortgage. And and this is what I do. I'm not running off to a job nine to five and speaking late at night or something like that. I'm not a Toastmaster and solely speaking in that platform. But I am speaking and I'm in the business of speaking or my my product is my speech. So it sounds like you've been doing that for a long time, correct? It really has. I've been able to support myself with the speaking income since I first started. Wow. It really, I mean, there were years that I, I was never in the hole and I never broke even. And there were some years where I had, you know, extra couple thousand and some a lot more than that. But mm-hmm. for the most part, since day one, I, I really think it's because the need was there. Like this topic is just so needed. But the other thing is other people listening to starting out you might have a business-minded um, professional message that's more for corporate events mm-hmm. where you could easily ask in the next couple of months for five grand. My budget is never that high. So I would speak 100 times in one year, but you're talking maybe $750, 1000 bucks per event, but then you got a lot, you know, your expenses and everything that comes off of that at the end right. of the year. But right. Right. Other people listening, you might be able to charge five to ten grand for your message with because of your audience and the budget they have to work with. So, so what do you attribute your yeah. long? What do you attribute your longevity to as a, as a speaker? I really think the longevity came basically because it's a, a much needed topic. I, I've. So, like, every time I speak somewhere, just people come up at the end, hey, we have this event in a year, or can you speak at this festival in three months, or can you stay for an extra couple of days and speak at our schools as well? It, I think the longevity is because there's a need for this specific topic. I don't know many other speakers. In fact, I, I'm sure there's another woman or two, you know, somewhat my age that speaks on some of these topics. I know a lot of purity-type speakers with... Um, saving yourself and STDs and that kind of info. But as far as media goes, a Hollywood perspective, I really do not know of one other person that speaks on the topics like I do in this way. It's very media-based. I show a lot of clips. I have behind-the-scenes footage of celebs sharing their truth about how they shelter their kids. Right. There's a lot of cool footage that people just say, "This we have never seen this before. We need this here, here, and here. And I think that's what's helped with the longevity, having a message that people want and need it sounds like you've really narrowed down your 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 niche if you will but you have a lot of resources around your niche um, based on your experiences and based on your relationships that really define you as the person to book for this kind of an event yeah i think that really helps and then like you said relationship building is great too because a lot of times I find that the same conference won't book you year after year, like back to back, but they will book you two or three years later, just like a high school. They'll have me in one year, and then three years later I'll do a repeat because those students are gone now and they have a new whole group of students. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's key. And even doing, like, statewide conferences, I don't know much about, like, other topics of speaking, but I can talk on the counselors, the, the statewide counselors and student-type events. They have, I would look up for anyone listening to this as a new speaker, look up local and statewide and national conferences that teach you about your topics so you can network. That's so key to go and meet people. That's how I've got a lot of my booking in the past and learned a ton in the past on how to better what I do with presentation, how I 
how I come across on stage, my movements, just everything. And the networking aspect is great. But also look up if they, if they have local, statewide, and national conferences where they will let you come in. And like I said, cover just your travel, but you can actually go in there and share your topic. And then you learn from other people at the same time you're sharing what you know, and that will open the doors as well to who knows what in the future, other bookings and and like friends of, of mine that were speakers, they're like, hey, when I was first setting out, I'm like, I have no idea how to put a contract together. Do you do, you do a contract? Oh, you got to have a contract. Okay, so I thought, can, can I look at yours? Sure. So I would look at one or two other people's contract. Actually, I had probably like three, three or four. Took out what is verbiage that I need for mine and make sure that most important stuff is in it. And then I would just create my contract verse, according to what I saw come in from other people. Same mm-hmm. with my bio, my intro. That kind of stuff. Just looking on the web and doing a lot of research on, I like this, I'm going to put that there, designing a website. So all of it, I just have asked friends to help me and and did research on my own to look at design ideas and all that. But any way you can learn and, and get started with it. One And, and don't ever, starting out as a speaker, don't ever think you have to have everything put together. Looking back at my first event at that festival, and how I speak then, mm-hmm. how I did speak then, so according to how I speak now, Antoine, I am shocked that anyone booked me from that session. <laughs> I, I was a little bit all over the place. My slides weren't working quite right. The lighting was poor. I was in the shed, but a thousand people came in in a small little shed, and a dude's like, I don't know, the head guy, he's like, I don't know what you did, what you said, but man, you, there was no one at any other session. They were all in your session, and people were fainting because it was so hot. It was like a July summer wow. day. But wow, wow, wow. I to say, I was worried about being a perfectionist, having everything lined up ahead of time. And I'm telling you, just start speaking. You will learn as you go. And if you're passionate about your message, that will override any kind of boo-boo mess-ups or something you wish you would have said different. I mean, right. you'll, you'll learn as you go. Every time I speak, there's something I change or or, you know, reword. I would like to ask this question of speakers. Uh, you, most of the people that I'm connecting with on speakers and speaking are speakers who speak to CEOs or companies or small businesses, but you speak to the youth. Now, it takes a yeah. very talented speaker to get up in front of teenagers and to grab their attention. How do you do that? And I know, I know it's not because you know Tom Cruise or things of that nature. There, there's something in you that gets them to say, I'm going to listen to Tina. I think it's a combination of stuff. Um, I have, I try to go back to what I was like when I was a teenager. Almost every time I go speak, I'm like, how do I want to be talked to? I don't want to be... I don't want someone telling me you got to change this and this about yourself. Mm-hmm. How can you not know that you shouldn't be watching that or following the celebrity? What are you doing? Cutting yourself or come on, snap out of it. You know, I don't want to ever be like that because I want to speak in love. I want to speak truth in love. I want them to know that not long ago I was a teenager and I was lied to in some major areas and I didn't know this information. And so the way you present it will help that audience leave with a feeling of, I know you deeply cared about me. Um, so that is my main thing. I think that's what helps. So they can tell from me that I care about them. And I even tell them every time I speak to you guys, I'm constantly being reminded of something I need to better myself in, or man, I shouldn't have seen that episode or this kind of music last week. I shouldn't have watched or that movie. I should have walked out of it. Cause I, I felt like this, this and this. So I, 
kind of go on a journey with them so we're all together on this presentation ordeal. And then the presentation itself, the way I present it, is very eye-opening, challenging, but the clips that I use and the quotes that I gathered, you can't deny what the celebs said. And so they know it's just not me saying it. They can see themselves of what these celebrities are really doing and how they're feeling and how they're making sure their kids live in a protected environment. And if you are cutting, you know, the, the movies glamorize uh, destructive behaviors that lead to this, but you don't see Madonna or Eminem or these celebs going to a jail to bail someone out of prison from doing the things that they were encouraged to do by their by these celebs entertainment you know you don't see them going to a hospital saying i'm so sorry you engaged in premarital sex you now have cervical cancer and now you could possibly die i mean or not have kids and so when the kids start to see the disconnect between what hollywood promotes versus how they really live their lives behind the scenes it really makes kids want to own their decisions and it's not like, well, Tina just said what she thought and she doesn't know what she's talking about. I love my entertainment. A lot of them. I just thought of about 20 emails this last week from this last session I did where students are like, man, you challenged me on this thing. I don't know if I want to, if I'm ready for that yet, but I can tell every single one, every single one said, I can totally tell that you loved us, that you cared about us and that you want the best for our lives. Wow. Um, That's a good testimony. It's very... Oh, Antoine, you're so right about talking to high school students today because five years ago even, I was allowed to say words that today I go into a school, they're like, I know we, I know we brought you in to talk about sexting and, and texting and driving and sex and drugs, but you can't mention the word abstinence. I really don't know if you should even talk about condoms. I don't know if I want, and before you know it, they're so afraid of me talking about what teens are really de- dealing with and what they want. Like everybody's like, thank you for just being real and transparent and telling it like it is mm-hmm. that it's difficult today to, to talk to teens because of our culture, not, you know, don't want to offend anybody. No one wants to get sued. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame than it was a couple of years ago. You know, the funny thing about that is that anybody can go in there and talk about what you've, what you're sharing. And I'll be honest with you, anybody, but it sounds like mm-hmm. not everybody can go in into it, a situation like you're going into it and speak the truth. But at the same time, being respectful to the environment and the meeting planner that hired hired you, because you've got to bring the truth. But you also have to make sure that you understand who's signing the check. How do you how do you keep that in check? How do you keep that balance? About a couple of years ago, I don't know where I got the idea from, but it works. Mm. I put together an event form, a pre-event form. And if anyone listening would like a copy of that, they can just email me at tina at tinamarielive.com. Go to my website. And I will be happy to share what my event form looks like, and you can use whatever you want off of it. It's a three-page document that I send to every event planner ahead of time, whether it be a music festival, a high school assembly, or a uh, counselor conference, a prison. I've spoken at prisons before. And I will send this form out. And it's very detailed as far as here are my top 20 topics I talk on that I cover throughout my presentation. And then I ask on the bottom of that list on one page, are there any topics you don't want me to cover for whatever reason? And sometimes I get people say, yeah, I just had someone come in and talk about drugs. That's okay. You should go there. Or um, someone will say, yeah, we really don't need you to talk about sexting. That's already been covered. 
But more than likely, every single one of them will say, all these are issues, and I know we're on the same page, and they sign off on it because I want something to, to let them know that this is exactly detailed what I'm going to be talking on, and then they know what to expect from me as well. So I'm leaving them with exact, actually more than what they expected. I want to surpass their expectations. So my event form is a pretty detailed three-page document that breaks down my session, so I know that we're both on the same page. So do you do a lot of speakers do research on the company or the corporation that hires them out? Do you do research on the organization or the community that um, as far as any major issues that should be brought up or should be alluded to, to to kind of make your speech more personable towards what's happening in the space that you're speaking in? Well, on that same event forum, I do ask questions like, has any of these situations happened in the news or in your community okay. over the last half a year? Like a suicide, um, a drinking and driving accident, students died for whatever reason, or good stuff. You know, have students really surpassed or stood out in the news or did something phenomenal, raised funds for someone? Anything that's going to help me show that audience when I get there that I've done research on them. I know who they are as a student body. I know what their mission is. I know what they've been struggling with. I know they're hurt because someone had committed suicide in the last couple of months. I make sure I'm very um, careful when I address that issue and very loving with that topic. Mm -hmm. At the same time, sharing truth and telling them how they can help. But besides that, like I'm coming up, I'm speaking, I think it's March. I can look up the exact date here. I'm doing an event through Premier Speakers Bureau. I'm repped with that speakers group, Speakers Bureau in Franklin, Tennessee. I love the pieces. They're an excellent, excellent group to be involved with. And I'm not exclusive, so I still book events through other places. But Premier booked me on this event. And it's called Illinois Coalition for Educating At-Risk Youth. And so I'm doing that conference March 4th. And what I did ahead of time to know that we're on the same page is I looked at that conference. Who do they have as past speakers the last previous years? What kind of topics do they talk on? And my message is a perfect fit for this upcoming conference because it made me know that they did pick the right person for what I plan on addressing. Mm-hmm. That's and I like what you just said. You do your homework, and I think that's a critical piece that us aspiring speakers need to understand. That it's more than just having the message; it's doing the homework so you can bring the right message. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Yes, and I, just to encourage the people listening that are speakers starting out, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what's happened to you in your past. Um, it doesn't matter where you are right now. If you know and have a passion and you know that you were born to be a speaker, don't let all of what people out there are telling you as far as you got to have this, this, and this lined up. Like, don't feel too overwhelmed where you're like, it's not worth it. It is totally worth it. Just take a big breath, one step at a time, and ask people for help, like how to do every step of the way, you know, to, to get things done. But like I said, this is a, I've been doing this for 12 years, and so I'm, I've been learning as I'm going, and even past things that have happened to speakers, that might be, if it's a traumatic thing that's happened to you, I'm telling you, that might be the one thing mm-hmm. that will help you through your healing process, and at the same time, well, you can help so many other people because you lived through it. So I just don't, I want to encourage whoever's out there starting off thinking it's just too much work. It's not, it is so worth it. You do your first speaking engagement, no matter where it is, for no matter how many people. I've spoken to five teams before in a youth group. It is worth it every single time. You will know if you're born to do it after doing your first session. 
So let me ask you this question. I'm looking at your website, counterculturemom.com, and it's obviously a well-put-together website. I can I can tell it's from Get Impact. It was with Michael Hyatt's um, product. Am I correct on that? Yes, it was a Get Notice theme. Get notice I met theme. him at the... Yes. It's a really cool theme for WordPress. I definitely think out of all the websites, and I've had some crazy ones when I first started out with, WordPress is by far my favorite to use. Mm-hmm especially for a person that is clueless on how to do websites. I am not good with tech stuff, and I learned as I go as I went here, but this is a really good framework for putting together a website. And I went with the Get Notice theme because he has so many plugins built in the mm-hmm. theme itself for doing, once I start doing podcasting and periscoping and all the rest, he has so many plugins in his theme that it makes so much sense to do that than to just keep adding on different things to right. a different theme. So I'm looking at your website, and you have a young family. Uh, you're a young lady as yourself, and you're speaking on technically a young topic. The question that I have is how long can you do this topic before you get to the point where you say, maybe I'm not the right person to bring this topic because who you are, the way you look, is part of the product, and you definitely connect with the youth because you're a very youthful-looking woman. Do you think about that in terms of the, your 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 I guess the the shelf life of this of this specific platform? You're asking such excellent questions. Am I? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. And Antoine, I think no. I, I think about it all the time. I sometimes worry flying out to events. Will they think what's this? You know, mom or grandma coming to tell us today, you know, like, who does she think she is? Like, I, I don't, I don't like, and I'm usually a very positive person, but those thoughts cross my mind. Mm-hmm. I have not gotten feedback from students to tell me they're no longer interested. They're not in it. I, I in fact, whenever I go places and speak just for, you know, kicks here, I'll sometimes ask students, how old do you think I am? And a lot of times, unless they're being nice, they usually tell me 10 years younger than what I really am. Which I'm glad, I'm glad for. <laughs> but at the same time, um, Antoine, I hope I can do this for another 10 years because I love it that much. But because I went from TeenMarieLive.com, which is a very useful thing for the first decade, I just returned with a counterculture mom mm-hmm. because of what you just said. I want to stay marketable with topics I love exposing and talking about, which now is starting to switch, switch over to moms as well besides teens. Because if I can reach the moms through my blog site, hopefully then it will expand into into their homes where they can help their kids. Well, yeah, I definitely can see um, that you, 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 you look like a teenager. I'm on your website right now. You look as if you are one of the individuals in the audience looking listening to your own presentation. But um, that's, also, that's, that's a wonderful uh, answer to a question that I think about as, as well as how long do I have in this current iteration of myself before people start saying, you know what, maybe someone else can give the same talk. So that's a good uh, good answer. So we're getting to the, the bottom portion of this wonderful interview, Tina, and, and I really thank you for just being honest and candid with the audience in terms of your speaking journey. I'd like to just ask you, to if you had to give some words of of inspiration something to kind of consider uh, for aspiring speakers to think about as they move into this field what would you say wow i said it earlier today but i really 
I really think it's the most important thing. The best way you can learn and grow your platform is by just doing it. And so I would highly suggest pick a topic you... Actually, I don't know of many speakers who say they want... Or an aspiring speaker that says they want to become a speaker, but they don't have a topic. So usually you have a message and then you become a speaker. At least that's what's happened to myself and some other friends that have um, done the same thing. They have something they want to say, they're passionate about it, and then as a, as a, in the process of them sharing it with people, they all of a sudden one day realize, hey, I'm a, I guess I'm a speaker. It's kind of, like, <laughs> kind of like what happened to me because I started sharing to people for the first year thinking, I can't do this, what am I doing? And people are like, oh, I haven't heard of you as a speaker before. And I'm like, I, I guess I'm a speaker. I guess I am. So <laughs> go, I would just say, if you've got a... Uh, a mission, a passion, a message you want to share that's going to help save lives, get them healthier, get them on track with their finances, help them in, in whatever way, start sharing that at wherever you can. Church events, school events, uh, conference, local conferences, networking with other people. And once you start meeting other people at conferences that are honing in on what you want to talk on, I'm telling you the networking is phenomenal because then people will tell you in a session, oh, this is what I did, or here's why I went for a website, or this guy just booked me for an event last year. He's looking for new speakers this year. And before you know it, you've got a sweet system set up where you're speaking more and more. It will just snowball. If you have a really good message and it's put together well and you are learning as you go, it will just snowball. And the other thing I would highly suggest is keep reading, keep researching, um, have really good topics or information that backs up your thoughts and your speech. The SCORE conference is phenomenal. I went to that a year, I think almost two years ago. Man, time flies. And the SCORE conference, Michael Hyatt was there and, and Ken, Ken Davis. And I have that info on my website as well. If you want more info, you can just click on the right-hand side. I have SCORE conference, and it'll have a promo code for people to save 100 bucks on it. Go to it. That totally helped me after 10 years. I'm like, why didn't I know this when I first started? It helps you with so many aspects of your presence on stage, how to speak, tone your voice, how to move while you're speaking, slideshow presentation, all of it in like a five-day deal. Um, and that will, that will definitely help speakers in what they're doing. And that's S-E-O-R-R-E conference. And besides reading and researching, I would say another really helpful tip that I need to do more of myself is to go on, on uh, those TED Talks go on YouTube and watch other videos of other speakers. And that way you can say to yourself, man, that guy didn't really connect with me. I definitely don't want to do what he's doing, which oh. is looking down or not talking loud enough. And then another video might watch, oh my gosh, that was an awesome joke. I can totally put a joke right here. Or, or that guy really connected with that personal story. And so when watching other speakers speak, even through your computer online, completely will help an aspiring speaker or even a speaker has been out there for two decades to constantly learn and grow as well because they're watching other people and seeing what they like and don't like and how people respond to that. Mm. Well, this has been some good advice. I like, yeah. the, I like the fact that you gave us some good things to do and some bad things to avoid. So that's great advice. Well, Tina, this well, is this has been an awesome interview. I've, I really learned a lot, not just about the speaking profession, which we thank you, but also our commitment to the youth. And I think you've done a fantastic job with capsulating what we as parents, what we as a community need to do to make sure that our students, our kids 
are prepared for the journey ahead of them. So I want to thank you for your time. How can we get in contact with you or have access to your resources? There's several ways. The top way is counterculturemom.com. And there you will see a section that is titled store. If you click on store, there's a couple of things there that will help anyone. If they're just wanting to see what a live show is, when I when I actually speak, I have Hollywood Exposed show on CD for them to grab and listen to. It's also downloadable from Amazon or iTunes, Hollywood Exposed, Tina Griffin. And then also under booking, you will see a lot of info there for an aspiring speaker if they want to see what my inquiry form looks like or event planning resources, setup resources, publicity, all of that. They can just look at my website to get an idea what forms I use because you can download them right off my site. So that can help them with their forms putting it together. And then I have underneath speaking a tab called resources. It has a lot of great information, a lot of links that help people with different areas of speaking or the things that I talk about in my presentation along with another part underneath the about tab there is another clip called video gallery if you click on the link with video gallery it has a ton of great resources and video clips if people are listening and they're like hey i've got three teenagers please help well that video gallery look it over with your teens it's awesome or even just to give you an idea of what you can have on your website for video gallery talking about the topics that you plan on talking on i i think it's an excellent resource as well so if there's anything I can do, or if you want to come see a, a live event from where I'll be and then ask me questions afterwards, I'm always open to having lunch, grabbing coffee with whoever, wherever, and I've done it many times in the past to help other speakers expand their passion, their view to reach more people. I'm, I'm definitely an open book. People have helped me, so whatever I can do to help other people, I'm, that's what I'm about. Fantastic. That website, again, is Counterculture mom.com and so tina thanks again for being a part of the show we're so blessed to have you here and and uh i personally am inspired to go out and do the things that you've you've shared to do with my kids in terms of keeping them safe well thanks a lot antoine and thank you for the invite it was really it made my day what a powerful story from tina griffin she was on a mission to really figure this out to make a difference in her audience. And I hope you can hear her commitment to her message and the outcome that she wanted for her audiences. It's more than just about speaking. It's about connecting. It's about making sure that whatever you say for that short period of time that you're on stage for, it's gonna make a difference. But more importantly, it's worth their time. And I hope from the interview with Tina, you can hear her sincerity that her message counts and it makes a difference long after her impact on that stage. So what is your message? What are you trying to get out to the world? What's your platform? What's your purpose? And last but not least, what's your plan? Answering these questions is exactly what Speakers on Speaking is all about. Getting professional speakers to talk about their purpose, their plan, their platform, so that we can learn from their experiences. So I'm hoping you're taking notes. I'm hoping that you are getting exactly what you want to get out of these interviews so that you can not just listen, not just learn, but launch your speaking career. On a personal note, I think I'm getting ready. Nope, I know I'm ready. And I'm starting to build out our website, speakersonspeaking.com. And you're gonna see exactly what I'm doing from the interviews with Fred Miller, Dr. Rob Nelson, Cheryl Roush, Debbie Allen, Dr. Bob Penitent, and T. 
Tina Griffin. All of these speakers that I've interviewed thus far and the other speakers that I have coming up on future shows are helping me as the inspiring speaker build out my vision for what I want to do, for the connections that I want to make. So if you haven't logged on to speakersonspeaking.com, if you haven't been looking at the notes from the shows, I encourage you to go to that website and bookmark that website because we've got some great resources. One such resource is my library. And if you want to look at my library to getting started in the speaking business, log on to our website and click on the SOS library. You'll find that link on our website, speakersonspeaking.com. And drop me a line. Let me know what you think about that library. But also let me know about the books that you are reading as aspiring speaker. And if you're a speaker and you have a book that should be on that list, hey, I'm really open to reading and gaining insight from your knowledge. And we'll also be putting additional resources on there for you, the aspiring speaker, to build your library of awesome resources beyond books. So we're getting ready, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting started. We just don't want to listen to these interviews. We want to start listening and learning and putting this in motion because, again, this is about launching your speaking career, but also this is about learning from others who have done just that, like our guest, Tina Griffin. So keep listening, keep learning, and keep thinking about how you're going to launch your speaking career. This is doable, but it takes information, it takes preparation, and it takes motivation. And I hope these shows have been motivating to you to make that first step to launching your speaking career. So until next week when we have another awesome guest, listen, learn, and launch your speaking career on Speakers on Speaking. <laughs>